Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break podcast. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today I have a very special guest, Kenny LaJoy, who just wrote a book, well not just wrote, but recently wrote a book, and we've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while, and I'm so excited that we finally got together and he is here. Welcome, Kenny. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited for you to talk about your book. So before you talk about your book, could you just tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your life? Sure thing. Um, I'm Kenny LaJoy. I own a business called Buckaroo Slashes and Scoops. Um, I was adopted at the age of eight by my mom and dad, Cindy and Dominic LaJoy. Um, and then I learned that I had um, certain learning disabilities in school. And then eventually my mom uh, got me and my siblings to be homeschooled. And then we kind of had FASD. And then we've been working ever since then around that. So, uh, so then later years, I want to write a book about it. So here we are. Right. And that was a great lead into what's the name of your book? Yes. The name of my book is It's Okay to Be You, Living Well with FASD and Other Disabilities. I love that. And I, I haven't got to read all of it, but I did read a good portion of it. And I love your format, how you talk for a while and then you also include some of your mom's blog posts. So what gave you that idea to do that? Well, it was more of a coping mechanism. Well, it was more of a um, to help compensate for my poor memory. Mm. Um, for So for some of those early years, I know how some of my, I felt. So I remember some of those feelings I had, but I didn't always remember the exact scenarios and stuff. Um, and so I actually used her blog as a way to remind myself of certain events. Uh, but then I would, I found out that would just be basically repeating what she said. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, I don't want to do that. Let's just put it in there instead. So um, I took snippets of parts of her blogs here and there and put it in my book for the first couple of chapters to help uh, give a more founded and accurate foundation from my earlier life. So for listeners, where can they, can they still find your mom's blog? Is it still up? 
blog? Yeah, it's just called Le, Le Joy, uh, the LaJoy Family Blog. Okay, I'll make sure I include that in the show notes so listeners can look at the blog and read some of her posts as well. But let me ask you another question. So when did you have this desire to write a book? Um, well, it's kind of funny that I even wrote a book at all because when I was younger, I hated writing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, writing was very difficult for many, many years. Hmm. But I've gotten pretty good at it um, in the last few years. And um, what inspired me to write the book was I was laying in bed and feeling kind of bad, mm-hmm. and I wanted something to affirm that, you know, everything was okay, that, you know, that having disabilities was okay, that life was okay, and so I started to write this outline, and then I thought, you know, um, I wrote the book as a way to tell me as much as for everyone else that it's okay. Right. And so it was, um, Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I'm an author as well, and I think that writing is a kind of therapy that Mm -hmm. we can use for ourselves. It's always therapeutic for me to write things down. And what I think is really interesting about your book is when you say, you know, it's okay, it's okay. I think so many people, whether they have a disability or not, struggle with acknowledging that it's okay to be them. It's okay to be like mm-hmm. they are. It's okay to be an individual. It's okay to be different. It's, in fact, yeah. I think that the world is much more exciting if people are different instead of everybody trying to be the same person. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so we've kind of really talked about this, but I want you to expand on it some more. Is What is the theme of the book? So what is the main point? Like, what are you trying to get across to the reader? Yeah, so there's probably a couple. The first one, I wanted this book to be directed towards people, young people like me with FASD. Hmm. And I wanted two points to be come across to them. First was that it's okay to be you. It's okay to be disabled. It's okay to be different, all of that, to need help. And the other point I wanted to get across was the idea of preserving their relationship with their parents, mm. being more um, viewing the needs of their parents. Because so many times, um, as in the FAS world and the disability world, a lot of the content is directed at the caregivers. How can they do better? What can they improve upon? What can they do to be better? Um, and very, and very little is focused on how can we, as the individual being taken care of, make life a little easier, work a little better with our caregivers, with our parents, with our loved ones. So then we can work as a team to tackle um, our issues or our um, disabilities better. Um, I think the biggest thing and um obstacle for people with FASD, especially for young people, is they, their disabilities and sometimes their want to be completely independent and completely like um, away from everything leads to them fraying and destroying their relationship with, the, with their support systems. And then they go out in the world having no support system and they fail even more, if that makes mm, sense. That makes, more yeah. 
That makes perfect sense because I think that we are all created to be interdependent anyway. Yes, yes. And when you lose that connection with the people who love you the most and want to help you the most, then I think you tend, and I think all humans do this, we tend to isolate when we try to do it all on our own. And then we fail Mm -hmm. and we feel a lot of shame and guilt because like we should have been able to do this. You know, we, yes, yes. And I, I think that parents and grandparents everywhere will appreciate that you put that in about how can you be a support to those who are caring for you or helping you or trying to make sure that you succeed so that you're a team instead of mm-hmm. the us against them mentality, which is very common in relationships anymore. Is yes. that, you know, especially young people who are like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I don't need my parents anymore. I'm going to do it all on my own. And it just doesn't work, does it? Yeah, it doesn't. And um, one thing I like highlight in my book is this isn't unique to just people with disabilities. And like you said, all people need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who don't have support, any support also fail, whether they have um, disabilities or not, we need one another to not just to survive, but to thrive, to succeed, to move beyond just bare subsistence. Um, and so just to take the shame around, like, oh, I'm the only person who needs someone else. Like, no, we all need each other. We just need more help in certain areas than other people might need. Right, exactly. Exactly. That sums it up very well. And I think that it's important that you also have community with people who understand exactly what you're going through, whatever walk of life, you know, like adoptive parents like me, we want to find other adoptive parents to talk to because they get it. They understand. And, and people who are on the spectrum, they want to talk to other people who are on the spectrum because they get that. And I think it's important to have people like that in your life as long as they're not the only people like that in your life because then you can sometimes get into that comparison pit of uh, everybody else's neurotypical and we're all neurodivergent and we are, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to have a good um, balance right. to, to be able to... Not just to be able to see the differences, but to be able to engage with different kinds of people. Exactly. So this is kind of a little bit off track, but you said at the beginning that you own a business. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I own a pizza and ice cream shop. Um, one thing that was hard for me when I was younger was the idea of like, you know, what kind of employment would I have? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just work with my dad, who also owns a business. Uh, but then we thought, no, the best way to, like, long-term-wise have a job that you can't get fired from is to be the boss. Mm. So we found our own business, a piece of ice cream place. Um, I used to run it with my two sisters. They have left since then to um, one of them got married another one wanted a different job which is totally fine Mm -hmm. Um, and then so I'm running by myself now Um, and one of the cool things that we do at Buckaroos is we also hire other neurodivergent people as well to give them a chance at a workplace 
and situation in which accommodates their needs. Oh, that is really cool. That that is really cool because, um, and that's been one of the things that has been a struggle for kiddos who are on the spectrum for one or are suffering the effects of FASD and any capital letter syndrome is, do they need to go to college? No, not everybody needs to go to college. Is there just Mm -hmm. one way to work? No, there's not just one way to work. Are there other opportunities that these kids can be adulting in and successful in? Yes, there are. There are many. I was just Mm -hmm. talking to an adoptive mom this morning. We had a meeting and we were talking about that very thing. There are other ways and successful ways and productive and purposeful ways that adults can live without getting a college degree because that is not a measure of your worth. It is not a measure of your intelligence. It's just one of the ways that people get an education, but there are many other ways to get an education. And so how did yeah, you... Yeah, there definitely are. How did you learn about the business? So how did you educate yourself? Well, like, I, um, one of them is, you know, from both my parents. They are both entrepreneurial. My mm. mom ran a restaurant. My dad ran a restaurant. Um, and so, like, I learned a lot from them. And they've done um, fairly well doing that. And so, uh, learning from them. I've also studied in the industry, you know, like, you know, looking up you know, how to run a business, accounting, financial management, um, advertising, um, structural things, the, like the menu and all of that. And then, two, building a business that works around your needs. Like, one thing I don't want is, like, I didn't want a big restaurant where I had a lot of seating. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of a pick-up-and-go place, and pizza's really good for that. Um, we wanted to make food that was pretty easy to make, nothing that was terribly, like, you know, no beef Wellington. <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm not very good at cooking, which is funny because I own a restaurant, <laughs> but I'm good at making pizza. I can scoop ice cream. Um, and so, like, finding a business that fits your needs and your and lack thereof of skills sometimes too. And then two, working on the areas that you are good at and emphasizing those strengths to then be able to run a business well. Um, and so the way, so there was a lot of learning. And then two, just when you're working at it, you just gain skills over time as well. Wow, that's amazing. You could teach a lot of people a lot of things because just what I, the wisdom that you have to find something that works for you instead of trying to go out and fit into somebody else's box, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah because that's normally what we do. And it's kind of one of the reasons that I love to do podcasting is because I love to talk to people. I love to get an important message out into the world without actually going from state to state to state, you know what I mean? Because that mm-hmm. just doesn't fit my personality. I used to do speaking. I don't do as much of that anymore because I realized, hey, that doesn't fit me very well. Yeah. So it's so important. That's such an important message that you have. Like, find something that works for you. Build a business around what works for you. Build a life that works for you. Exactly. Like, you know, kind of make their own box. You know, don't go to someone else's. Right. You know. 
Right. And unfortunately, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because parents are told through our culture, from our culture, these are the things that your child needs to do. These are the hoops they need to jump through. They need to go to school. Then they need to go to college. Then they need to get a master's degree. Then they need to do this. And it's just not, people are not a one size fits all. No, and there are like certain milestones in um, society that if people hit them, then we see them as real adults, real people and whatnot. But um, one of the things, and those milestones are important. Mm-hmm. They're very important. Right. But I think the job of the way to reorientate those milestones is by redefining. So, you know, for, for some people, getting to college is their milestone. Well, right. for others, it's graduating in high school is a milestone. For others, it's, you know, getting a good paying job. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. um, or driving a car or being able to shop for yourself. There are, you, if milestones are important for people, but if you set them as being different for each person, then that way they can hit them all. If everyone has the same milestone, then inevitably people will fail. Certain people fail reaching those milestones and they feel like a failure. And so it's really adjusting what and redefining what those milestones are for each person. Exactly. I totally agree. And I have um, a little story about that. When we adopted Mm -hmm. four kiddos from Poland, sibling group, they did not speak English. And... So when we brought them home, in air quotes, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. I homeschooled, and I ended up homeschooling all of my children, but to throw them into the school system and having them learning the language, learning to read, learning what different words meant and how to Uh use them, and all of those things were way too much at once. So a milestone for them was beginning to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. learning how to read and write in the language, because my son Damien was seven when we adopted him, and he already wrote and spoke and read in Polish. So then he had to start all over again. And oh, yeah. So it was a huge milestone for him. You know, maybe a little belittling to him that he had to start all over with phonics, but he did it, <laughs> and he learned how to read, and that was huge. It was huge. Yeah. So that was a huge milestone for him. So I think you're right. We need to just, you know, adjust our milestones and our expectations for the person, not for what the culture says, hey, you have to do this by then. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, and two, the idea of like, you know, oh, you know, if you're having to adjust and all of that, then you're just settling. No, you're not settling. You're just aiming in a different direction. Right. And that's not a bad thing. And, you know, and I think some people, there's some people who can't hit all the traditional milestones, but they're not very happy. They, even for their own self-happiness, and they need to redirect the milestones or readjust them to fit what they want. So it's not just for people who need to adjust it to lower it, but for people who need to adjust to raise it or to aim it in a totally different way because they want their lives to look different. It's not a bad thing at all to have to or to want to um, adjust where you are going. 
Exactly. I agree. And I think that we need to re-examine that, you know, every year or every couple of months, actually. Like, you know, okay, where am I going? What do I want to happen next? What are my expectations of myself and what do I want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then work on those things, no matter what else anybody is working on. I always think of like the blinders they put on the horses so that yeah. the horse, yeah. So put those blinders on. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. Do what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. So um, share any other information that you think our listeners need to know about you or your book, or do you have a website? Or so I don't have a website. Okay. Um, I do. So like my mom runs a um, a homeschool group called Blue Collar Homeschool. Yes. It's fairly popular, so it should be pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an Am. Uh, my book is being sold, is sold on Amazon for Kindle or the printed version. Um, and then two, on the book, it has an email address. So if anyone wants to send an email asking questions about my book mm. or comments or whatever, they can use that email. Um, I can't 100% remember what that email is called. It's let me look at it. It's kind of long. It's, the email address is it's okay to be you book at gmail.com. But you can also find that in my book and be able to email me as well if people have any questions. Um, I think uh, overall the message I want to give those once again is that affirmation. It's okay to be you. It's okay where you are in life. It's okay to want more and train for more. Um, and so take to the others. Right. I, I love that message. And I just, I want to ask you one more question is like mm-hmm. somebody who's listening, who also has FASD, what is your best advice for them to navigate their life right now? Hmm. Can you say that again? What's the best way to, now yeah, just just give them a piece of advice. Like when you found out you were struggling with FASD symptoms, what what one thing helped you the most? I would say, you know, my mom and mm. relying on them, learning like for a while, and I talked about this in my book. I got pretty depressed. I was mm-hmm, depressed right for a while. Um, it's hard to, you know, have hope and to look forward to. And sometimes you have to let others, let them, you know, hold that hope. Um, and let them help you carry you forward and to help you realize, no, there is more. But then, too, when they do, do give you those options, you know, don't just throw out of hand, but, you know, seriously consider those options. Um, and then, too, it's... There are multiple times in people's lives who, who are or who are not disabled that where an event changes where their direction is going, where mm. they are going and to change it somewhere else. And that change is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, right. Changing where you are going or where you thought you were going, you know, like we think we're going a certain way 10 years from now, but, you know, God has different plans. The universe has different plans. You can't, you know, you can't just have everything the way you want it. And in some ways, life will surprise you in pretty cool ways if you follow that direction of that re, being redirected. So, right. I, so I see it as an opportunity almost. Right. It's a pivot. 
It's not, you yeah, know, we just you. need to take a pivot. And I've taken lots and lots of pivots in my life, and those have been the best decisions, just following that pivot. And you're right. And I think yes, it's so important what you were saying is, you know, your mom helped you, you know, rely on the people who are there for you when you're struggling. And I know yeah. you struggled with that depression and that, you know, it's just too much. Like I'm never going to be able to do anything with my life. It's, you know, mm-hmm. this disability is, is really wreaking havoc with what I wanted to do. And like you said, if you reexamine that and say, this is a strength, this is an opportunity, what can I do instead? What can I do differently? How can I move forward from this? And you've done it. You've done it. You're a great example. Yeah, and I, and I would say to that too, though, there is no, there is no like, oh, you've reached your destination, you're past right. all of that. No, yep. there are going to be times in your life where, you know, like, an, I would say for myself too, where it's like, you know, yeah, that depression might creep back in or that feeling of aimlessness or being in the mix of water and nowhere to go. That, you know, that will come back. And yes. it's, once again, falling back on those same people and same um, tools to help you get out of that again. So, you know, it's, it's a, life is a cycle. Yes. And, you know, you're going to be in the ups and downs and the turning around and, and it's finding the people and the tools which will help you best um, navigate that, those cycles. Right. And when you go back to that depression, when you go back to that struggle, then you go back to the basics. You go back exactly. to what worked. I, am I doing so the, those things anymore? Maybe I'm not eating right. Maybe I'm not drinking water. Maybe I'm not exactly. resting. Maybe I'm not, you know, following my schedule or any of those things can just knock you out of whack. They can knock me out of whack. They can knock anybody out of whack. And I totally agree with what you said. No one ever gets to the point where they're just like, I've arrived. I've, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm done. I'm done working. I'm done changing. I'm done trying. I'm just, no, we never get there. We're always going no, to be. Well, and if you have, if you have a rock to play where you feel like you're not moving forward, it's not because you've arrived, it's because you're stuck. Yes. Absolutely. And a lot of people live their whole life just stuck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we don't want people to do that. And that's why I think it's really good for not only parents, but kids who have teens, young adults who have FASD to get your book and read it. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend it. So what's one last thing that you. you would like to add was one last thing I would like to add. Um, but first, thank you so much for having me on. Mm. Um, it's a pleasure talking with you. Um, and uh, once again, if anyone wants to reach out um, via my book, there is an email address out there. If you have any questions or something, feel free to contact me. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Kenny. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. 
Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.